This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 93. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton, and it's just me this time doing the intro and outro solo again. My good friend and co-host, Wam Ramayasha, is probably off recovering from uh, from Anime Expo. Um, but you will get to hear them on this episode, as well as our good friends, uh, Maxi Bernard of Friendship Ever Victory, and uh, Bomber D. Rufi, otherwise known as Kirobot on Twitter, uh, from the WSS Talkback blog, the Shonen Sunday Talkback blog, uh, as we talk about the first volume of Comey Can't Communicate, as it was released by Viz Media uh, just recently. So yeah, we, we basically talk about our thoughts on the first volume and Viz's release. Uh, and, you know, with Maxi and Bomber keeping up with the series currently, they also kind of give us a taste of, like, what you can expect uh, upon reading past the first volume, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, that's really about it for this episode. Um, since it's just me here this time around again, uh, I'm not going to be reporting on any news this episode. Um, we'll, we'll hopefully be reporting on some news pretty soon whether it be uh all the news that came out of anime expo this year or the news that came out outside of anime expo or all of the above i don't know we we have we have a we have a ton of news to talk about at some point here in the future um but we won't be doing that this episode like i said um so hopefully we'll get to that at some point maybe next episode i don't know for sure i know i know lum has plans to possibly do some anime expo focused episodes here soon maybe i don't know i don't want to i don't want to hold them to anything uh this is just as far as i know but uh until then um i think we should just get started with the episode and uh i will come back around at the end of the episode to do our usual plugs and everything so until then uh enjoy our discussion of komi can't communicate by tomohito oda All right, it is that time to, boy, that, you know what, I'm going to start that over. <laughs> it's that time, I don't know what that time is. Um, <clears throat> time to communicate. <laughs> we're all doing so well at it, this has to, this stays. <laughs> you, you know, actually, I, you know, actually, I'll keep that in. Yes, it's time to communicate. Uh, I'm going to write off of that. Um, yeah, so just in case you uh, haven't figured it out by now, uh, we are here to talk about the newest Shonen Sunday series from Viz, Comey Can't Communicate. Uh, and with us today, we have our good friends, Maxi Bernard and Bomber D. Rufi, otherwise known as Kiribon on Twitter. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. That's good. That's good. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's, it's time to talk about more Shonen Sunday stuff. Um, something I'm always really excited for. Almost a year since our Sleepy Princess episode, perhaps this will be a yearly tradition for us in late June to talk about the newest Shonen Sunday release from Viz Media. And we definitely won't get distracted this time, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see about that. Like I said, I'm I'm not gonna hold you guys to anything. I I I feel like I've learned my lesson at this point, but it's fine. Um, but no, yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited about this title in particular because I I I feel like since Bomber has started up the Shonen Sunday Talkback blog, um, I've I've seen more people talk about the series, and 
and I'm I'm sure I'm sure like people had read it before then, but like I don't know. I, I feel like it's only like within the past year or two that I've I've seen people in my circles anyway talk about the series. But uh, I guess uh, Bomber, do you do you want to talk about Comey Can't Communicate and kind of what it's about for anyone who may not know? Sure. And I mean, riffing off what you said before I start, like I've actually seen it be really popular even before the Viz announcement and everything, like, it's amazing how popular the series is for something that has no anime. That's always impressed me a bit. Um, I saw a lot of people when, when Viz announced it, um, I saw a lot of people really excited for this title, so clearly it has a following. Yeah, it has a really big following. I mean, there's a Twitter called the Church of Komi, so <laughs> that's following <laughs> me, apparently. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. And I feel like I... The, the blog got a lot more the blog's Twitter got a lot more traction once the, the Church of Comey started following me <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that <laughs> but anyway um, Comey can't communicate or Comey-san wa Comey-shodis which the English title I mean it's uh, the English style is fine. Let me not. I know I'm going. I know I'm going to sound like I'm disparaging it. I'm not. It's fine. I mean, the Japanese style is more of she has a Komi has a communication sickness, and as both titles suggest, it's about a girl Komi, who looks from her outer appearance looks like she's cold, aloof, the popular girl. She's she fits that trope to a T. You know, everybody loves her. She's like the goddess of the school and doesn't talk to anybody. But the truth of the matter is. She wants to talk to people that is really bad at it. The very relatable. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably why a lot of people, plus the fact that she is adorable once you get to know her, I feel like that's why a lot of people have gravitated toward the series, because it is kind of a relatable issue, which is like, you want to talk to people, but you can't for whatever reason. So, and the boy, Tadono Hitohito, who finds out about her secret and says, okay, we're going to try to get you to 100 friends. It's by Tomohito Oda. Not that one, as everybody knows. <laughs> 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 just my Twitter, my Twitter's blog kind of catchphrase. Not that, Oda. But um, he actually wrote a series in Shonen Sunday called DesiCon, which was not well-received. Even though it was pretty good, I'd say. And a little bit of a fun side note is that after DesiCon ended, um, Oda actually tried to run Comey and other magazines. Oh. I think he tried can't remember it was actually said in shonen sunday so shonen sunday has a thing where they i think last year where they would have kind of a corner with the artists well not a corner actually i'm sorry yuji yokoyama had a kind of manga interview illustrated manga interview with artists last year since then now he's grow he they've put him on a series where he's out in tokaichi in japan trying to to grow a farm (laughs) Not sure how that happened, but anyway, one of the people he spoke to was Oda, um, and it was revealed in that interview that he actually tried to shop Komi to Shonen Jump, and I think maybe Beisatsu Shonen Magazine, which is where you know um, Attack on Titan runs. Hmm. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure if they didn't want the series or if he just said, nah, I feel better going back to Sunday. But yeah, there was an attempt on his part to actually bring Comey to jump in other magazines. But eventually he decided, okay, I'm going to head back to Shonen Sunday with it, which is great because it is one of the most popular comics in Shonen Sunday right now behind Silver Spoon and Detective Conan. Man, I, I cannot imagine this running a jump whatsoever. It would have been very different, I think. This this is the least jump comic. 
neither can I, but apparently Oda thought, you know, hey, maybe maybe part of the reason why he didn't was like, I can't compete with the other Oda. <laughs> so I'm not that one. So and it's I, I, I joke about this, but uh, for Desicon, he wrote his name with the Japanese kanji, but with Komi, he writes it all in katakana, which is... I, I can't think of an English equivalent other than it's like writing your name. It's suppo- it's like writing your name normally in normal, you know, font and then writing it in capital letters. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if he made the change to kind of make him stand out after Desicon failed, which I really and I'm, I really feel bad about it. I meant to read Desicon or to buy it so I can have more to say about his first series because I read a little bit of it. And it's really it's about an alien and a girl and a Yankee or a delinquent girl. And how and their misadventures and that it was really a lot of fun, but that sounds really good. I would read that. Yeah, it was a lot. It was it. it I, I forgot the central premise of the series, but and I feel bad. I meant to buy it and read it so I'd have more to say, but then it totally slipped my mind. No, no, hey, it, it's okay. You've already sold me. Like you say no more. <clears throat> so definitely, that's something I, I'll probably. And it's not long. I think it was like maybe four or five volumes. So, and before it got canceled, and then he had another another one shot that really put him on the map that I don't remember the name of, and like I said, it's really bad. And I could probably even look it up, but yeah, uh, Comey itself, like I said, has become like the darling of Shonen Sunday now, which most of the questions I get on the blog are about why does this not have an anime <laughs> as if I control over <laughs> as if I have control over that. But yeah, I mean, I mean, don't you you run a you run a Sunday blog? I, I if I could tell you guys why I would tell you, but yeah, I mean, and another nice thing is, unlike the Japanese edition, the Viz version does actually mention Desicon at the end of the volume. Mm. I, I kind of like that about the Viz mangas. Like you'll get a little kind of um, like a little bio, a little bio, yeah, because there's nothing like that in the Japanese version. So yeah, so I actually just looked to see if they'd mentioned Desicon at all, but they didn't. <laughs> But yeah, I, I'd really recommend. I mean, well, obviously it's not licensed. Maybe if Desi, if maybe if um, maybe if Comey does well, they'll go back and get it. Yeah, three volumes long, ran from 2014 to 2015, and he used yeah his actual name then. So, and there's another. He had a one shot called. Um, Is it world worst one? Uh, that's at least according to the Viz uh, summary that he won a grand prize for that. There was that one, but it's the one that got him attention was called the uh, Universal Diary of Working in a uh, Universal Convenience Store. I'm butchering the translation, but that's basically what it means. And that one was the one that got him a lot of attention, and basically that's where Sunday was kind of like, oh, we need to really hook up with it. I mean, somebody at Shogakukan was like, oh, we really need to get with this guy. So, hmm. yeah, I, I haven't read it, but a lot of people who have read it and told me about it said it was really, really good. And another thing, I guess, is that, oh, well, I don't know if anybody knows this guy, but apparently Nishimori Hiroyuki was really World Wars 1. He gave it a little praise for the female main character. Uh, Nishimori, he did Cheeky Angel. I think that's the English title for it. I feel like I've heard of that before. Cheeky Angel, that rings a... Oh, uh... I mean, this this is the uh, Kiyokara Oriwa guy, Yes, isn't it? that's him. Ah, oh, yeah. Yes. He praised World Wars 1. He said the female main character was really good. Hold on, Cheeky Angel's in English? <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Uh, it's licensed it back in the day, yeah. 
Yeah, Viz have done it all. How have I never noticed this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the title in English, the title in Japanese is definitely not Cheeky Angel. <laughs> so I know I've heard the English title around. I mean, it's Tenshi na Komaiki, or uh, Ill-Mannered Angel. So I guess Cheeky Angel kind of riffs off of that. <laughs> but yeah, no, he praised um, the World Was One. So that, that I guess that's another, the Sunday artists do really stick together. <laughs> so... Yeah, they all, they all seem to be pretty good at actually, like, sticking their necks out and praising each other. Yeah. Like, uh, some of the, the table of contents stuff I've translated, like, uh, well, I'm getting off topic, let me not get off topic. But, yeah, that that's Comey in a nutshell, which is, you know, and something I didn't know, because, again, as I said before we started recording, I actually hadn't really read Comey before I started to blog, and Comey started in 2016. They don't have an issue number. Interesting. But I started to blog in 2017. Oh, yes. It, no. They, oh, issue 25 of 2016. So probably around this time in 2016. Mm. So okay. I didn't start to blog till January 2017. And that's when I actually started reading Comey and I was educated to how great it was. So I've actually only read volume one's materials for the show. Oh, so this, so, so this is kind of your first peek at the beginning of the series then. Yeah, I'm okay. familiar with everything after, and like that point but yeah <laughs> oh, that's interesting and did any of you guys like check out the one shot for comey that uh premiered in 2015 i have not because i haven't actually been able to find it really i found it just searching you know to see if someone had translated online and gave it a read and i think a lot of the core of what would go into the series is still there now, I think, like, the first couple chapters of the manga itself kind of has, like, a really big emotional hook and then, like, a, a series hook that uh, the one-shot doesn't necessarily have. Like, the whole Komi wants to make 100 friends and, you know, the big moment where, you know, she and Tadano are communicating through the chalkboard. Like, that big emotional moment. Like, that's not... It. The one-shot is mostly focused on, like, more humorous situations and misunderstandings, uh, you know, resulting from Komi not being able to communicate. But there are still heartfelt, like, moments between Tadano and Komi through here that, you know, it really does show the potential of the series and the premise. And so not too much, I think, about the main characters of Komi and Tadano were changed from this one-shot to the main manga. But, like, uh, I think, like, the idea was refined even further to, like, really focus on what the emotional hook of the series is. Okay. That's something I'll have to sit down and read after this. Because, yeah, I I guess I didn't really look hard. I guess I wasn't really looking for a translation. I was looking for, like, the Japanese one. But I didn't find it, so. And weirdly enough, it's not included in the first volume, so. I hope it is included in a volume down the line, because it's a very enjoyable read, and there are a lot of really good jokes uh, in the one-shot. One thing I'm definitely really surprised of reading the first volume is that, yeah, like you said, there's the heartfelt moments, but it was a lot funnier than I was expecting. I feel like <laughs> the later, well, at least the recent stuff, feels like it's more on the heartfelt side of things. Mm. So, I, I mean, I'm talking like, maybe a couple chapters ago, <laughs> like two or three chapters ago, like, and at least like, at least for the last couple of months, it's been less funny and more heartfelt. So of course, and then even when I've been reading it, I mean, there were funny laugh out loud moments. Don't get me wrong. But as I've been reading it, like I never really thought of it as a comedy series until I read volume one and volume one was like hilarious. So I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> this series can be really funny when it wants to be. <laughs> 
Yeah, like, because I, I think when I started reading was around the point they introduced uh, Rumiko Manbagi, which is way later than Volume 1. And, like, again, it's really funny when it wants to be. And that introduction was super funny, but everything after that point has been, like, more sincere than out-and-out funny, which is... Yeah, no, I I, I really enjoyed how the, the start of this is just more of an actual straight comedy, just as a breath of fresh air from what it becomes. Yeah. Even though this early material is lighthearted, I definitely can see seeds of ideas and plot lines that could be developed into more dramatic scenarios down the line. Like, there are definitely circumstances evolving the characters. Little mysteries, like, why has Najimi Osana switched schools so many times? Or, like, what is Komi's home life really like? You know, we see little snippets and get little bits of information that I think can be extrapolated on later in, like, more... Uh, serious or storylines focused on character development more than laughs. So that was a really uh, huge point of intrigue for me reading through the first volume and seeing like little nuggets of mystery towards these characters put in. That was like, oh, I want to keep reading to find out the payoff. Have we actually summarized the series anywhere in all this? Have we like said it's full deal? Yeah, I think Bomber did at the, the beginning. <laughs> The idea that the series is about Komi, who is this very popular girl, but she has a communication disorder. She finds it very hard to... I, I, yeah. I, got, I got so excited. I was just like, oh god, I best make sure we keep, we keep going. Because like, the, the neat <laughs> thing isn't just that, that she's got a disorder or an issue that stops her from communicating. It's that she's in a school where every single person has something that makes them quirky for lack of a phrasing. Right. And that was really interesting, too. Like, the school is made up of eccentric people, so these are all, like, really strong personalities, which just makes it harder for Komi to talk to them. It really reminded me of Sket Dance, in a way, uh, in that sense. Yeah, I, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah, that, no, yeah. You know, when, when I was, of course, since I didn't read Volume 1, you know, reading it later, it's just... I guess it's because, I mean, and this is obvious, but because at this point the characters have been established, their quirks aren't as, well, quirky, I guess. So it to me, reading it later on for the blog, I just kind of thought that's how things were and that, you know, there wasn't really an emphasis on And there isn't an emphasis on it, but the reading in Volume 1 where it's like Oda's basically like, yeah, this is a school full of weirdos. <laughs> and for to see it there in print is like, oh, oh, so he does he is aware that like it's like in the series it seems like they're when you read it later on like i did it's like the weirdness is just there nobody's really aware of it <laughs> and it's just like okay we're aware of it as a reader but the characters in the series are like oh well that's just how it is it, it's it's their normal well, i mean yeah the characters are all surrounded by characters just as weird as them so i mean that is their normal the fact that everyone is weird yeah exactly but reading volume one where oda actually establishes yeah everybody here is really kind of off kilter <laughs> so when i read <laughs> that i was like oh 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 okay that okay that now now it made all the stuff later on in the series make more sense <laughs> so i was just like oh that that that's actually i actually kind of like that he said that everybody's eccentric out the gate so you know what to expect from it <laughs> or you don't know what to expect it's interesting and then the whole thing about comey herself 
being this super popular girl without ever actually really talking to everybody. That's funny to me too. (laughs) 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 Like she's got this reputation, but nobody actually really knows her and and everybody's just kind of okay with that. And that's something else that reading volume one, that just kind of occurred to me that's like, you know, normally, and when you have the girl that has these tropes, you know, they've earned them in some way, or it's like, this is the, the face they put forward. But Comey's whole reputation is accidentally earned. <laughs> so it's like, that's not how, who she is at all. And it's not even how she really present. I mean, yeah, she comes off that way if you just look at her surface level, but that's not really what she wants at all. <laughs> so. so so in a way, she's kind of like, um, she's kind of like King from One Punch Man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 No, that's exactly it. <laughs> Like, this guy just is, just happens to be in the... She, too. She's just in... I mean, yeah, she's in school, but, like, King, she's just... She she accidentally gains this reputation. And nobody questions it. <laughs> <laughs> nobody questions it at all. It's just... And then you had Tadano, who is literally the Saitama here, who just happens to discover it. <laughs> you know, and uh, Well, no, no. I'll even give Tadano more credit than that. He figures it out. He didn't just walk in and find her out who she is. He actually kind of sussed it out after enough interaction. Like, wait, you're just really bad at talking to people, huh? <laughs> yeah, Tadano's quirk, I suppose, is that he's good at reading the room. So he has, like, good em- like emotional awareness. So that is, pr- like, the reason why he's, like, the only one who really is able to understand that Komi is struggling with something and reach out to her. So I think that's a really interesting, like, dynamic. And I think it's kind of an interesting setup for the Tadano's character because it, it is, you know, because it establishes that everyone who gets into the school and it's, like, supposed to be this, you know, prestigious prep school, like, they have to take this interview, so they have to show that they have some sort of personality, something unique about them. So I think that's like a interesting quality to think about with Tadano. Like, why is he here? Why did he get into this school? It's like maybe like his ability to empathize, to understand people is just a really special skill in the series that, uh, you know, stands out in contrast to like the other students. And so that's kind of an interesting nugget. The the thing with Tadano Hitohito is that you have to understand that he's just some guy. I mean, that, that's, I mean that's another thing. Is that literally is literally Tadano Hitohito? Just it it is literally means just some dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and, that, and that's that's pretty amazing on its own. <laughs> so like yeah, it's just. It's great. I mean, I know Colton actually, you know, before we came on was like, I should. That's one thing about Comey, too, is that everybody's names tells you what to expect about them. <laughs> so. which, which is kind of wild because you you lose that a little bit in translation. Like it, it's something that you'd think would almost be an untranslatable idea. But they like the characters are so on the nose anyway that you don't really miss it. It's just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with Comey, it. It's where it still translates. I mean, that comes from communication, but like, yeah, with all the other characters, like, uh, that is something that you kind of need to know Japanese and Japanese puns to get, I suppose. Yeah, like, I mean, or should we move into that, or? Um, yeah, I, I guess we can at least talk about, like, the characters that appear in this volume. If um, I guess, what about, uh, what about Osana? So, Osana, Najimi, which literally means childhood friend. 
Oh wow. Uh and, the, and, you know, writing up the blog entries, it makes it really hard to kind of separate that name because I'm so used to it being one word. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure <laughs> somebody goes to the blog entries. They're like, it's really inconsistent. <laughs> and I keep catching myself writing it as one word. <laughs> but yeah, Osana Najimi is, well, uh, Tadano's childhood friend who is, I, I guess if you had to say they have a quirk, it, it's that they can't tell the truth to save their life. And they're <laughs> communicating with a lot of, um, and they, their communication skills, you know, are way better than Comey's. And even it's set up in the first volume that even their gender, nobody really knows. Because, like, there's a scene where Tadano's, like, introducing uh, Osan Najimi to um, Comey. And he's like, you know, okay, well, she's this, she's that. He's like, wait a what, what, hold on. You were a guy last year. What? What happened? <laughs> just and and of course they just roll. Everybody just rolls with it, and it's something I kind of like about this series as well. I I like Ozan as like a example, if not necessarily representation of a gender queer character, because they are just incredibly fun, and I like that you know there isn't too much. It doesn't really focus too much on this idea of oh what is their gender. It's just introduced at the start, and then it's like you know this is like uh something or surrounding this character, but this is not the only joke that is going to define them. And I really like their personality so much. The idea that they're this pathological liar, but also that they are friends with everyone in the school, and they and them go way back to like childhood days. Even Comey, they knew them when they when uh they were in second grade uh like there's so much mystery to this character because like somehow they know like everyone and have been around so much so that just makes them a lot of fun because they have this idea of mystery to them and that you know allows them to be like eccentric and uh, mischievous and playful in really fun ways like, this is a character that I can really get on Tadano's buttons. Uh, and, like, really, I like the way that uh, they play with him so much. Yeah, and, like, in later chapters, they're definitely the characters that, like, they're one to watch out for. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, the other characters kind of treat them like a pest. But <laughs> and to be fair, there is some of that, too. But... <laughs> Well, they've got the uh, the cockroach feelers for the hair. It's the design choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but they also really like to pull other people into to situations, even if they don't want to. Like at the end of the chapter, when they pull Tadano and Komi into playing, uh, you know, a bunch of games with a group of people. You know, when Tadano was saying, "Oh no, uh, like after school, Komi will get Osana and Akari, and we'll just play together, the four of us." But then, like. And I hear this and it's like, no, you gotta start push your boundaries, dude. I'm gonna bring you in and I'm going to enjoy all the embarrassment and awkwardness. And then uh, the way they love to tease Tadano too is just so fun. Like at the end of all that, that game when Tadano intentionally messes up like uh, the last name so like Komi doesn't have to show like a kissing face and stuff like, uh, you know, they uh, like joke to Tadano, oh, make sure to show me your kissing face later. Like, it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, um, just to talk about another character real quick, uh, what about Himiko Agari? So, her name is interesting because, like, it's or the Himiko 
not to be related to Sket Dance. <laughs> but the Himeko here, it means like, well, the he means lowly, and then me is beauty, and then child, which is typical for girls' names. And then Agari is kind of like to raise something up. <laughs> so it, it's kind of like, it's weird because she, of course, since she wants to be Komi's dog, the lowly, that probably is where the lowly part comes in. <laughs> and then Agari is like, it kind of comes from the Agari show, which is like stage fright, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I guess you'll see more of later. But it also is to raise up, mm-hmm. I, I guess in a way it could be like they're raising her up her, her sense of self-esteem, which happens a bit later during the series like it definitely is a thing where you could tell that oda like thought out like a lot of these characters um uh uh, story arcs way ahead of time so Mm -hmm. but yeah hers comes from her stage fright agari show or stage fright and himeko is lowly so probably how she feels about herself it's interesting because I, I I feel like later again reading it later on her, the the slave part of her character isn't as prominent, <laughs> so I was really surprised when I read volume one and like it was there and I'm just like was she always she was like this <laughs> like, yeah I, I I I was not I was not expecting that and from <laughs> from what it sounds like it sounds like something that it, it sounds like something Oda wanted to try with her character but it it seems like a gag that I I guess from what you're saying gets abandoned pretty later on yeah it, it feels like i, I guess as because definitely one thing with comey is definitely <laughs> later on and this is something i've noticed with the later chapters too is that it focuses a lot less on comey later and like the other characters start getting their own like spotlight because i remember there was a time in the blog i was covering and there was like a little um gap of chapters where comey didn't appear at all huh. <laughs> so it's like at that point i guess and, of course, this goes with any manga, I guess, you know, the early installment weirdness where it's just like, okay, I'm trying to establish the premise, so I've got to do this, that, and this. And then as the series gets popular, then, like, I guess um, Oda just figured, okay, now I've got a little breathing room so I can actually develop some of these other characters. I, I don't think necessarily that they're one note or anything, but I, I definitely get the idea that for him, it was like... You know, okay, I just want to have a bunch of quirky characters for her to bounce off of, for her and Tadano to kind of bounce off of. You know, I'm not really thinking too deeply about their their um, personalities, but then now that the series has actually taken off, okay, I can actually spend a little time developing each one of these characters. So, and it fleshes out the whole school and everything. Because now when I read it, it's like, I, I won't go as far as saying that Komi is like, I don't look forward to seeing her. Of course I do. But, like, I've actually grown to, like, a lot the supplementary cast just as much as her and Tadano. Mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate a series that takes the time to focus on their secondary cast. That shows me that the person writing a series or whatnot really, really cares about not just the main character, but everybody else in their world, which I really appreciate. And it's very clear from the first chapter, or, like, the first big, like, two-page spread that... Uh, Oda has planned out so many characters for the series and like what their uh, gimmick is and then probably even just deeper beyond that like what their story is going to be like going back to Agari I think it's really interesting that there's a double meaning in their name that you know describes not just like their condition of having stage fright but also what their arc needs to be in terms of like overcoming like this idea that they think of themselves as like lowly and becoming like more able to like just 
speak and interact with people like on an e- uh, equal level and not like looking down on themselves. I think that's a very interesting idea. Actually, now going back to the spread after you mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. there's a character there that shows up way later. Like they, they don't turn up till seven volumes later. <laughs> yeah, like, way later. And I'm just looking at. I just looked at it again, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like this guy doesn't have any appearance at all, and he's here oh. on the spread, and that's what amazing that, but- to me. Half, half of the pun of his name is there. You get half of the pun, and you already know what the rest is going to be because of because uh, of his condition. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and, and <laughs> the fact that Maxie and I haven't mentioned this guy's name, but we both know who we're talking about. Is... <laughs> he's the worst. I hate him, and he's so so awful. But he is the best because he's awful. <laughs> I, I I can't wait till you all get to volume eight. Let me say that for the readers. Well, it's it's going to be real fun when you get there. Like I I I, I want to tell you his name. So you look out for him, but no, you should just come in there blind. <laughs> just, just, just well, um, this guy's amazing. <laughs> so I, I guess just speaking about further volumes, um, I will say after reading this, I think I really do actually want to read more. Like, because um, uh, I know just to kind of bring it back to Sleepy Princess when we recorded about that. Um, while while I did enjoy reading it, it, it was, um, and I think we discussed it on that episode, but it was, it was something that. I, while I thought it was funny, it wasn't something that it, it was something that I could only really read in like doses. Whereas with Comey, I I, th- I think is a little more suited to my taste in comedy, just because like it, from 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 what it sounds like, you know, just hearing you guys talk about later volumes, like it it really sounds like, and I I think you can, you, you can kind of tell from the first volume after reading it is that. Um, Comey is the kind of comedy where the comedy really, really thrives on the characters and how well you kind of get to know them. And, I, and you know, that that's why I love stuff like, you know, Gintama and Sket Dance is because, um, you know, bo- both of those series, you know, they're funny on their own, but they're also they're also only as funny as well as you know the characters, I guess. Like the comedy comes from their interactions and how well you know them. And I think it's safe to assume that Comey is that kind of series as well, which is why I'm I'm a little more inclined to to keep reading Comey because I actually want to get to know these characters even better. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. Like the skit dance um comparison is is apt, I think. But yeah, I mean, compared to Skit Dance, this is very much a Sunday series, and I mean, mm. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm trying not to compare publications, and Maxie probably knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but there's even Skit Dance that isn't like an action series or anything still has a very jump feel to it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but Comey is still very much a Sunday series. But it definitely is very similar to Skit Dance and like how it approaches the characters and the setting. Yeah, it's like if you if you took all of the the sort of the heavy conflict out of Skit Dance and the high energy, but kept the the absurdity and occasional massively heart wrenching like uh, dramatic moments, like that that's kind of what Comey is. That like you have to twist one of them to make them like the other. They're of the same ilk, but if the if one was aimed at one magazine and one was aimed at the other, like it, it's so there's so much of a dividing line between the two of them in that sense. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean. Yeah, that that Maxi, yeah, he didn't he nailed it. Like that 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 is exactly it. Like Skit Dance 
even though it's not as it's completely different from its other jump ilk it's still super high energetic <laughs> it's, it's got all that high energy going toward it and there's nothing wrong with that because yeah I've, got, I've gotten into discussions with people about what's the difference <laughs> between jump and sunday and all of that thing but yeah i mean comey's definitely just very much i mean yeah it can be heart-wrenching and it can be like because i remember reading um rumiko's story and i won't spoil too much but yeah i remember even i was kind of moved by that one and i'm not one who's like easily like oh my god that's so sad that's not the kind of person i am but even reading through it I was like, wow. I mean, and my heart really went out to her for her story in particular. And I think she was probably the first character I was introduced to. Like, because every, again, reading it later, most of the characters are already established, but she was the, one of the first ones during my read for the blog that she was a new character at the time. So, you know, being introduced to her, to her through her gimmick first, and then, you know, learning out who she is. It, it resounded with me more than the other characters where I just were, I was kind of just thrown into them and not didn't know much, you know, I know their quirks and everything, but not much more than that. Mm-hmm. And because the series expects you to know it, know all of them already, but for her to be there and kind of see her come in and then hear her story, you know, that was, you know, the, she sticks, she's one of my favorite characters probably because of that, but definitely oh. reading through volume one, I can, I can see myself getting attached to way more, way more characters here. Like, oh, well, while we're on the subject of names, we've got Ren Yamai, who, well, in the Japanese version, I mean, I see that. Oh, well, before I get to that, I got to say, whoever did like the lettering and the touch up for this for this series. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Like, I, I, I got to hand it to them. It's just they did some really great work on this thing. Shout out to Eve Grant. A- abso- absolutely amazing work on Hobbit. like the the only part of the the lettering i'm not super hot on is the actual logo itself but for various reasons we'll talk about that later um well i, I honestly I, I i think as long as we're talking about it we, we can we I, I think we can just bring it up now because uh yep. yeah we got it, a it's... question on twitter from uh spooky l who asks like what are your guys' thoughts on the fount it drives them crazy and ruins the cover for me and well i'll just explain my feelings i like the cover font i like that it has this chalk uh, aesthetic to it i think kind of it kind of fits because you know the big emotional moment towards being in the series the moment that like we're Atano is able to break through and connect with Komi. It's like them communicating on the chalkboard. So that's like a, that's a pretty good, like symbolic idea to get across through like the, the font on the title uh, and on the cover. So I like it. And looking at the Japanese cover, it's, it's about to like say the say the title... Japanese is the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, cause, cause this is, this isn't my issue though. My issue isn't that that's what it is. It's that it's just a, a, because I, I don't really like a Japanese cover either, that it's just a font with the filter run through to make it look like chalk. I feel like they missed a really good opportunity to have this actually like handwritten to some extent to really make it pop. But there's just things that bother me about seeing the same M in a triangle right in the middle of the page. It's not great design to have used a font for it. And it, it probably would have cost more to handwritten. It, it would have involved actually going through a, a, a more difficult design process. Like, I, I, I can understand a million reasons and one why they wouldn't have done it. But I, I look at it, and specifically at that one part of the page, I can't look away from it now. And I just think that there, 
they really, really could have turned that into something perfect, and it's it falls just short, and that's what winds me up about the logo. <laughs> well, I do agree that the uh, handwriting it to make like every letter in the title like really distinct in this chalkboard aesthetic well, would I, have I, been I even think better. Just choice. less consistent is what I want. Just, yeah, just less consistent. I do understand that point because. You know, you do notice that, like, every, all the same letters, like, this is a font, so the the letters are presented as the same, like, in this title, like, all the M's, all the O's, all the A's. Whereas, you know, if this were actually, like, handwritten in chalk, like, there would be differences in, like, uh, how the chalk presses down on the surface and then, like, what kind of marks that leaves and, like, like uh, how you see through them and all that, so... You know, that is like, a good point, point but do, I don't... It bothers me a lot less in the actual chapters and stuff, where it's just as a single line of text. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like that's a lot more palatable. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, my feelings on the, the logo, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it's for a different reason, because just, I'm just used to reading it, you know, rather than vertical... I'm used to reading it in Japanese, like, going up and down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just looks better to me that way. So you're just kind of going like, oh, what's this series? Seiko-on? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's just I, I feel like if I run into Komi without ever reading the Japanese version, I'd be completely fine with it. Mm. <laughs> but I guess, I guess that makes sense. Um, it's just it's a, it's a it's a really minor thing for me. I mean, I otherwise I have no problem with it. But after hearing you, um, Maxi and Lum go over, you know, how chalk wouldn't look this perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see that too, and it does now. It does kind of bother me a little. I'm gonna play devil's advocate and say I totally understand where you guys are coming from, and I would have liked that sort of. Uh, non-consistent consistency, I guess. <laughs> um, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. Just kind of, just kind of glancing at it, I, I thought it was fine personally. Yeah, like it's only something you notice if you really stop to think about it and really notice it. But like, if you're just looking at the cover, like I think it works. Like it does the cover. It works with the cover. It does a good job of like kind of getting a sense of like what the series is and intriguing you and like to pick up the book. Like yeah. it's only if you really stop and stare at the layers and notice, hey, all these M's are the same, all these A's are the same, that you really kind of start to feel something is off. But I don't think that's necessarily like a bad thing like i just like the idea that we could handwrite it and each letter could be distinct you know that would make it like that would push it above the level i guess but i think this is really uh, pretty solid for you know a, the a font to use for the series yeah. like it's definitely functional um because I, I think one of the things i really can't say enough is Viz licensing anything shown on Sunday is kind of a pleasant miracle. They they could yeah. have literally shat on the cover and I would have still gone, well, I'm going to buy it and live with it. <laughs> like it, it, When I'm moaning about this, this is like the most minor of inconveniences. Like It's still fine design. It's just not the ideal. Uh, the actual volume one on the cover is really nice and how it's framed through the window. Like the, the design as a whole, good. It's just my one weird annoyance with the title. Like Because uh, I'll, I'll accept anything with Sunday. The, we, we've got what two ongoing Sunday series currently coming out from Viz that uh, Conan as well if you want to count it I don't think it's worth counting because a it barely runs in Sunday b they're never going to catch up yeah that's that's yeah no I, I'm again 
again, it, it, it was it wasn't the thing I thought about until you guys brought it up. And honestly, other than the fact that yeah, that as Colton put it, you know, the inconsistent, the consistent inconsistency. <laughs> I mean, even that doesn't it doesn't bug me so much. But going, but what I agree with Max, it's just like at this point. I will take anything from Sunday you're willing to give me. <laughs> All right. I mean, if, if you guys, it, it could be like, I'm not a big fan of digital only releases, even though I'm reading the both these digitally, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I would take, if, if they would license the entire currently running Shonen Sunday lineup and we're like, well, we're only going to do it digitally. I, I would be like, you know what? You guys got me. I, I I'm your bitch. Let, well, just <laughs> tell me where to insert the money, and and I'll do it. <laughs> and so, and th- so, I mean, otherwise, yeah. And but going back to you know what inspired this is just again the work on this, like the blackboard, the uh, the spread. I mean, pretty much everything. Like, uh, I'm not one to really get into you know the whole typesetting and all of that. I mean, I'm just like, if it looks, if I can read it, I'm fine with it. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. like, I have to give, um, what was her name again? I'm sorry. Eve Grand? Yeah. I have to give her, uh, give them a lot of credit here because this was a lot, this was really great work. I'm looking at the spread and I'm just looking at it. It must be, it must have been a nightmare to do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the, the touch ups alone, uh, I feel like would have been hell. Yeah. That, that, oh, wow. I'm just, but anyway, I I totally got really sidetracked. But yes, Ren Yamai, uh, another character that appears this volume, who on the spread is written as aggressive, I think. Hold on. Run, 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 run. Yeah, Yamai is aggressive. Oh, she's holding a knife! <laughs> <laughs> I love that in the Japanese version, she well, she's a yandere. <laughs> so, but uh, her name means lovesickness. Huh. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> is it because she's in love with Comey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that comes across. I, I don't know if love would be quite the right word for it. She uh, obsession. She worships Comey. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. That, yeah that, I mean, that's a good way of putting little, it. But yeah, if you were to look up the kanji for her name, it's Yamai Ren, which yeah, love sickness. <laughs> so yeah, she 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 in particular doesn't really have a lot of screen time in this volume, but um, she she did have like one of my favorite moments in the volume. I I thought I, I know I, exactly what it is. Yeah. I, I I thought I thought her stopping Tadano from uh, talking to Komi in the beginning was uh, was really funny. <laughs> uh, I love when she if she whispers in Tadano's ear, like that word balloon goes through Tadano's ear and like yeah. out the other side, where it's like she's calling him like it's almost like a it's almost like a like a like a spell or a chant or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, who who doesn't like a girl who thinks you're scum? I mean. <laughs> I, I, I just love the contrast in personality. Like, she presents herself as, like, this very polite, genial, you know, uh, popular girl. And then, like, inside, she has just, like, this darkness in her. She is very aggressive and uh, angry, especially when it comes towards people uh, trying to interact with Comey and stuff. But, yeah, it's really funny. I also like one other joke. Uh, just a sight gag with her is like everyone is get, is super excited at the idea of like her of Comey showing like her kissy face, but like she's like looking at Comey and drooling at the top of it. I thought that was <laughs> really funny. 
that's her i mean that's pretty much her stick later on i mean like i mean your mileage will, may vary but it, i mean it gets i i, I hate to say worse because uh, it, it definitely gets creepy in places <laughs> yeah man, yeah um, yeah exactly it, a, it gets kind of creepy but... I wanna say, is, it, is it her who has you'll you remember this there's a situation involving uh tights going over one of their heads i think that was her yes, isn't that it? was her yeah that was her. <laughs> that was, yes, I remember. She was trying to get a good sniff of that. Yes. Oh. <laughs> that's not even a joke, though. That's actually what's happening. Yeah, no, that that's it. That, that, yeah, yeah. Maxie and I are not kidding. She's trying to get a sniff. <laughs> so it, it, it gets creepy sometimes. I mean, but I mean, I, I, Oda's good at reining it in so that it doesn't get like really kind of wow. That's a little. That that gets a little uncomfortable. Yeah, the big thing with Oda, I'll say, is that no, no matter how weird the the characters are and how terrible they are, uh, like the character we're alluding to, who turns up in seven volumes time, uh, might be an exception to this. But for the most part, they're they're all treated with a level of sort of love and respect. Like there's, they're never mocked for how they're weird. It's just that how they're weird is also part of why they're funny. At, yeah. at the same time, when I when I first started reading this, I. Like, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I expected the series to be a little more, uh, I expected a certain level of wholesomeness from this series almost. So I wasn't expecting characters like, you know, um, Agari to, to end up the way they did in this first volume. Well, regardless, I think there is, like, a heartfelt wholesomeness to this. Like, the way that, like, Tadano gets so excited when Komi tries to, like, get people's cell numbers on her own. And she's, like, looking at her like a proud, like, parrot and, like, hiding behind a chair. And people, like, behind them are, like, asking, what are you doing? Why are you hiding behind this chair? <laughs> That's so good. I mean, Colton's image of the series, it's 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 later. It's, it's definitely later. Because, again... <laughs> As somebody who reads it week to week, <laughs> I was surprised reading volume one that it was like this. <laughs> like, <so. laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like it, it, there's a way I'll sell people on continuing past volume one. It's uh, the, the, the chalkboard scene from like the start of this series. That's more what the tone of the comic stays at as it goes on. Uh, more than anything else. Like that, that's the main thing. Like it, it's been funny, but it, it now it's, Sincere sincerity time, you know, like it gets that out. Yeah, mm. it's funny because you, you usually have to see, at least in my experience, you usually have to see to do the opposite thing, <laughs> which mm. is they start they start off heartfelt and then become kind of just more of a comedy series, but or at least they kind of keep both sides kind of you know equal. You know, there's an equilibrium to both sides. You know, mm. but. Comey, yeah, definitely goes way harder on the more heartfelt, heart-wrenching stuff later on than it does a comic. I mean, I, I want to say the last couple of chapters, last, let's say month of worth of chapters have been mm. way more heartfelt than funny. I, I, I almost, I mean, this might be bad of me, but I almost want to say I can't remember the time where this, uh, I can't remember the time where the series was like, like actually outright hilarious in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, like, like a, in terms of tone. Interesting. Yeah, the the current storyline that the the focal characters a bit uh, uh, difficult. I think's the thing. The the, the way I, again, I don't want to spoil anything about them, and so it's become very emotional as a storyline. And before that, the story that's in the the latest volume that's out in Japan, that one again, funny in places, absolutely heart destroying the whole time. 
I'm I'm really glad that we have people on who have like read past this first volume, so I kind of know what to expect. Because honestly, this just makes th- this makes me want to keep reading more. Oh yeah, when, I think it's volume thirteen that just came out. Yeah, I believe yeah, yeah. That, that one destroyed me. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I normally, normally in the blog, because I mean, uh, yeah, volume thirteen. Yeah, normally in the blog, I don't talk about Comey every week because let's be fair, it's super duper popular and doesn't need my help. Because I mean. It it get like, uh, you know, I I hate to bring them up like this, but yeah, it gets normal scandalations like usually hours after their Sunday Sunday has dropped. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that gets that kind of attention in Sunday is Conan. <laughs> so, <laughs> it it's like I, I don't cover Comey every week because of that, because it's like okay, by the time I can write up the blog entry, scandalations already out. So, what more can I add to this <laughs> without acknowledging the scandalation? So, and I try not to do that. So I usually don't talk about Comey, but when that last arc hit, I was talking about it every week just because I had so much to talk about because it's it was just that heartbreaking. And it wasn't even really about Comey at all. It was about another new character. <laughs> so not oh sorry. I was I was gonna say not to not um uh, and I'm not I'm not saying this to give uh give the particular group that does Comey any like credit or anything, but I I'm assuming this series isn't too super hard to work on just because, like, of the length of each chapter. I don't know if that changes later on. Kind of, sort of. Because we don't, you don't just get one chapter a week sometimes. Okay, I I, I kind of had a feeling that was the case because it's like, I, when I first, um, when I first opened up the volume, I was really surprised to see how many chapters were included in the first volume because there's like 19 or so with some, with some bonus content. Um, But then I saw, like, I I don't know. I don't know if there's like a consistent page count with every chapter, but really there isn't. Like sometimes depending like the arc I'm talking about with the the new character, that one ran the normal. So Sunday Sunday chapters run about 18 pages per chapter. And like Comey <laughs> some weeks can run three or four chapters in that 18 page span or sometimes huh. it can run just like a 10 page chapter and one 10 page chapter and that's it. And at other times, like this arc, this past arc, the arc I was talking about, it took advantage of all 18 pages mm. every for the, the entirety of its run. Like, I mean, to kind of, you know, uh, not to go too far off topic, but Shonen Sunday is pretty good about doing that with the authors. They don't make them assign them saying you have to have this many pages per week. Oh, yeah. So that's something that's really nice. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to have to talk about my hero on a Sunday mm-hmm. podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, uh, Fukuchi's new series, like he did, he did Psych. And Psych's schedule was, uh, it got way more, it got a few more pages each week. So like I said, some of the Sunday series are 18. Psych would get like 23, 24. But it only ran for like a volume at a time. It, it was kind of like Hunter Hunter's running schedule, but Psych was a lot more frequent. It would mainly it would Psych would run a volume and then maybe take a month or two off, and then it'd be back again. But right. its chapters were longer to to make up for that. Mm, I'm 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 sorry when you when you said my hero, my my mind went to Academia. So that's a- <laughs> well, I mean that's slightly <laughs> relevant to this page count discussion because that's one of the only jump series that seems to get a lot of leeway with its page count, seeing as it runs between like thirteen and eighteen on any given week at the moment. So like it can happen in other magazines, but now imagine that every series in Jump is My Hero Academia, and you've got an idea of what Sunday is, <laughs> uh, and it goes the other way as well. Like you said, Psyche gets extra pages, but like. 
uh, a couple of series just get extra pages, not even when it feels like a chapter it's needed, but just because the author seems to have more to say. Like the Ninth Wave had some extra pages for a chapter where it didn't really feel like it needed the promotion or anything. Like it was just a chapter with a couple more pages. Yeah, exactly. That's and then I mean going back to what Fukuchi, like his normal his new series, Pokotsuchan Kenshochu, it's fifteen pages a chapter. It's fifty days. <laughs> like when it when the serialization began and it wasn't noted that okay, this is gonna run the same schedule as his last series, I was kinda worried, like, okay, can Fukuchi handle like a normal series again? Because part of the reason that I guess Psyche Psych got the schedule it did is because his series before that, Anago Mole, had a two-year hiatus. So, or, yeah, about that long. And then his uh, series before, well, no, before ta- there was Takaku. Yeah, Ueki Plus also had a two-year hiatus. So I feel like when he talked to the editorial department and they agreed, okay, we're going to give you a schedule like this to make sure you can work with it. But now his current series is running weekly, but it's also really short. It's 15 pages a chapter. So, which it doesn't, I mean, and technically one of those pages is usually a recap of what the series is about, which I really think if, if Komi does well, I can see Ponkotsu doing well here because it's kind of got, it's, it's, anyway, I, I, let me not get too far off. Well, I, w- I was going to say it's, it's, um, I kind of, I kind of maybe had an idea that like, oh, well, maybe they run multiple chapters in an issue of Sunday. And hearing you say that, that makes sense to me because like, it it feels like the first six chapters of volume one in particular, like yeah, that, that's one story. It's just div- subdivided into like different mini chapters, and the one shot was the same way. Like the one shot is divided into like eight sub chapters, but it's all part of the one one shot that was presumably published at the same time. So I definitely could see that, like with the series, like these first the first six seven chapters were one story that was like premiered in Shonen Sunday, and then. Yeah, I really like that Shonen Sunday gives so much flexibility to their authors to, like, give them the space to tell the story they want to tell with the appropriate page count, that they don't have to fit into, like, just a set standard page uh, limit, like, they can go shorter or longer if need be. So I think that's very good. It, it helps, like, the artists tell the story they want to in the amount of time they need to. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's the art house member of the four main shonen magazines, you know. <laughs> like it's it's the one where people go and get the freedom to actually do stuff and like play around a bit. Yeah, I mean, because that you know, like I mean, even Comey for I think one chapter in this first volume is a four coma, and mm. Comey does that a couple of times in its run too, where it'll just flip completely flip format and just be a four coma thing, like, you know, a newspaper strip. And it'll go right back to being normal page count again when, you know, when it, when it needs to be. And then, so it, it really is just like, Sunday just lets everybody do what they need to do, you know? And now, a new thing that they've been doing lately is that for the first chapter, you know how those will usually be super long? Now, what they'll do is they'll have the first two chapters instead. And that'll add up to the first chapter of something else if an artist feels like, okay, you know, I don't really have a lot to say with just one chapter, so. Yeah, like Emoto Ririki and that new series with the girl with the demon strapped to it. I've not read it. It's Yuko Sae Takai Ba, yeah. Like, they, they both ran a fair couple of chapters uh, in their first week as well. Undine, Undine did, too. I think it ran oh, the yeah. first two chapters. It ran the first two chapters, and then the next week ran chapter three and four together. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, and that one, now that's settled into it. That's another one I'd love to see come over here. 
because I really think that one has potential. But yeah, I mean, going back to, to Comey, yeah, it's just a thing where rather than celebrate the first 100 chapters, they were they celebrated the series appearing in the magazine the 100 times <laughs> so, yeah. because of the way that the format is. <laughs> But that's the thing, because like it's been in the magazine now for just over three years, but it's got two hundred and two chapters. So like there's a there's a big difference at this point between chapter count and issue count. Yeah. I guess uh as far as like what else we want to talk about, I mean we we don't have to go over like I don't want to go over necessarily like every single joke in the volume, but like uh were 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 there any other chapters or like comedic moments that really stood out to you guys or Definitely mine would have to be when she tried to go get the drink and then you know, oh, couldn't tell them. Yeah. It couldn't say that oh, it was the wrong please. one. That was my favorite one, too. Like, the awkwardness is, like, someone getting your order wrong, but just, like, it being too, like, nervous or shy to, like, correct them and just accepting it anyway. Oh, my God, that is so... Very relatable. I mean... <laughs> like, like that, that on its own is pretty good, but, like, I... I, I I love how it goes a step further, and we and we get the point of view of like the barista too, where he's like, "Oh yes, I will save you with my excellent customer service. I'll even get a I'll even get a tweet about it or whatever." It's <laughs> it's, it's so great. Well, it's even like the the, the font choice when Nashi is making the order as well, just like straight into robot mode. <laughs> It's like go to Sam Bakes and buy me a medium non-fat milk pistachio deep mocha dip cream frappuccino with chocolate sauce. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I wonder if they've had to. I, I wonder if they've recited the same order to people so many times that they it is just so natural to them that it is like just this robotic recitation. I it definitely feels relatable to like you know you make this same order so many times you just like say it immediately off the bat like without any hesitation like when i go to subway and i recite my same like uh normal sub that i always get from there like off the bat in like two seconds because i'm because i get it so often and have said this order so often like uh, that was really funny in in that entire uh in the same sequence of events like i love the joke where like najimi like bails on like uh following code because they have a lunch appointments with three other groups and they keep such <laughs> yeah. a busy schedule looking at their watch. I love man. I love those sorts of gangs of anatomy about just how ridiculously popular they are because it's like the again, same same storyline uh, just hearing about the hundred friends things just be like why so few? Just a hundred <laughs> estimated number of friends, five because million. Because they have like five million friends, so to them that's like a pittance. I love that. Yeah, and it's great that it's like you know, and you know the, the text there says you know no evil and no mean intent at all. It's like <laughs> it's not even. It's just not even a blip on their radar. It's like they're not trying to be mean. It's just really to them like a hundred friends is just a pittance. <laughs> just, well, why? Why are you uh, aiming so low? <laughs> so something else I also really loved about uh, reading Comey, and then this was something that uh, I noticed whenever I would see like Bomber or anyone else, you know, tweet about it. Would be um, I I really love the way that Oda sequences his comics panels for certain moments. Like uh, he'll do this thing where like he'll kind of let certain moments kind of like stew in like a sort of like awkward silence in, in like in in some moments or like he'll he'll, he'll kind of like build up to like 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 a small little like punchline like 
Um, and this one isn't really particularly a joke, but like I tweeted about this one where uh, where I I think it's after um, Osana agrees to be Komi's friend. Uh, I I love the page where like Komi's just kind of taking it in, and then she kind of like gives a little like leap of joy, like that that made my heart skip a beat. Like I <laughs> like I I really I really love the way uh, he sequences moments like that. Yeah, and I think it it plays well for the fact that Komi doesn't speak. So we have to if he were to if she spoke then it probably wouldn't be nearly as necessary because then, you know, she convey herself through speaking. But because she doesn't, he has to kind of show, you know, her feelings through her actions. So I feel like because he sequences it like that, then we get more of an idea of what she's feeling than if we would if he just kind of, you know, did one big panel and moved on. Because, like, I'm looking at the page now when she's making the order at the... um. Well, we'll just call it a knockoff Starbucks. Stan Bakes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking at the page where she's making the order, and he goes through the effort of showing each thing she points at. And it would be nothing wrong if he just wanted to show it from her, like from the barista's point of view, and just show her just kind of standing there, and then the barista's watching. And that would convey what she's, you know, what's going on too. But the fact that he went through all the effort of showing, going through each panel and showing her pointing at one thing, pointing at another thing, and pointing at another thing, I feel like that gets us more into Comey's character as his character that's just unable to, you know, voice her thoughts. And he does it a lot. Like, and for, and I think that small moments like that that he emphasizes are really good for her too. I mean, there are way better ones in later volumes, of course, but mm. like, I love the sequential art that he does and that he, and I can only imagine to painstakingly draw a scene over and over and over again. <laughs> like, yeah, that like, must take I, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Especially with, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a moment a little earlier on in the volume where, uh, Tadano is uh, trying to tell Komi to tell Osuna like, "Hey, tell 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 him let's be friends." And like, you y- y- you could tell through the sequence that she's really taking the time to try to like, like b- build up the courage to actually speak. And you know, if you like pay attention in the background, like y- you could see the classroom like, uh, become less and less full of students as like time goes on. Like, I I really I really love that attention to detail. Um, and I, I really have to wonder, like, if and when Comey ever gets an anime that, like, I really have to wonder, like, how they'll handle moments like this, whether they'll go for, like, these really long moments of, like, nothing happening while Comey kind of builds up her courage to speak, or, like, I don't know, I, I, I couldn't help but wonder and, like, kind of, like, imagine in my head, like, how these, how moments like these would play out animated. Yeah, I kind of wonder that too. I mean, that's something that I, I, the director would really have to, you know, the staff would really have to, you know, focus on visual storytelling. Like another thing that's interesting about Comey is like she doesn't really have internal monologues. You don't really see inside her head. It's all like second person observations about like what she's feeling, either from Tadano or from the narrator's perspective. So you can't really communicate. I mean, I guess you could if you had put those hex balloons like on the screen, but that seems uh, that seems like an inefficient method of like trying to come get across the same information in a different medium. Instead, I think in adaptation, you'd really need to focus on the character acting and animation, visual storytelling to get across 
the, the how Komi is feeling, and not only that, but to let these sequences like just play out with like appropriate timing. So it can't like be. Sometimes it needs to slow down, like in the sequence we're talking about earlier. We're, we're like, I think it'd be amazing if like if they were to adapt this in animation, if it would took like a minute for the sequence to play out of like Comey just standing there and characters in the background just like leaving as time goes on. Just a minute. Like that would be such a great joke it's such a great way to really hammer home like that Comey is taking a long time to work up the courage to express her feelings mm-hmm. yeah like I, I i think that's the most important thing going into you know uh going into possibly animating Comey is like i i, I hope i hope whoever, whoever is tasked with that project in particular has that sets of timing because i think that's going to be really important well, that, I, I, it's kind of frustrating because I, I can't imagine it animated, not just because of uh, it, its sense of timing through how it expands things out of panels, but uh, but the design by fours on each pretty much every single page. Like, there's very little uh, a differential that. Like, it, the, the rhythm's so carefully set to either have four panels or have the ability to divide the page cleanly into, like, four clear sections... Like I, I don't think you can replicate that well with anime outside of actually doing something that plays with the fact that it was a comic. Like it, it, it's really tricky because like obviously four comas have a similar sort of thing, but that's that's consistent. They're always four blocks going down all the time. But the way the the fours work in this is sometimes it'll go at jagged angles if the scenes are going by faster, or it'll split one of the one of the four panels into actually three, or combine them into two. Like it, it's a very careful and methodical design process. Like that's hard to capture in a different medium without losing something. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, definitely, there's a sense that Oda's very much. There's no. There's a sense to me at least that when Oda draws a chapter, he knows very much what he's going for. There's no sense of, okay, I'm just going to kind of wing it and maybe it'll work mm. out. I mean, not saying that any artist does this, of course, but like, yeah, at least with Oda, there's very much like, okay, this is the chapter. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. it. I mean, it's it comes off sounding kind of cold and mechanical, but the, the result, though, is well worth it. Because oh, like, yeah. it, it, I, I, again, I don't know anybody that does the sequential art that he does. Mm-hmm quite I as well it, it's it's so calculated but it's so like the, the the design of the page is calculated the contents of each panel is incredibly sincere and emotional like it's a weird combo like that there, there isn't anyone else in the industry really quite like Oda, not that one <laughs> 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 yeah no, there, there really isn't i i can't i mean i'm not gonna I, I i can't say i've read a whole bunch of manga and can tell but yeah mm. definitely that's something that i picked up reading komi is just there's just a very methodical way that he approaches every not not even every page but every panel because, like, you can't just have a page and just kind of slapdash something on, but every panel seems to be just what it needs. It conveys information that you need to understand what's going on. And he does this on a weekly basis. So it's like, I, I, I'm amazed by this. Like, besides, even if you're not into Comey, the series for the subject matter, the draftsmanship of the pages and the sequential art. I feel like those are worth just studying on their own, even if you have no interest in the series. It makes me wonder if uh, part of that's why Oda went for the uh, 
the change in how their name's written. Because I've been flicking through the first volume of Desicon here and there while we've been chatting. And like the the design in that, the way everything's laid out, the, the attention to detail, it's they're almost not the same person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I have to get Desicon now. I, I, I read a little bit of it when it was in Sunday, but not like a whole lot. I remember liking it a mm. bit, but yeah. Well, I literally have only just learned it existed and went to buy it as soon as you said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew of it while reading Sunday, but that was back when I was getting Sunday physically. So, mm. But yeah, I mean, it, it ended before Sunday finally went digital. But yeah, it's I would have to read it again. I mean, it might have just been because Desicon also is more of an action-y series, so mm. it that's a thing. But yeah, I... Definitely, I feel like Oda, after Desicon, he went away for a while and really refined himself. And maybe that is why he's changed how he writes his name, you know, mm-hmm. to show that he's been reborn. <laughs> so, well, I don't have a good way to transition into this, but uh, uh, Maxi, you, you kind of mentioned off mic about uh, Anime News Network's uh, uh, manga preview guide and uh, the review that they had for uh, for Komi. Yeah, so. Every, every, I think it's like twice a year in the case of the Monk Guide, uh, Anime News Network do these guides where they try the first volume of everything, uh, or the first episode if it's the anime ones, and they just come back, they they write about them in do tone of feelings, give it a, a five point rating. Uh, the manga ones are done by uh, Rebecca Silverman and Faye Hopper, who are uh, fantastic critics. They, they think about things in a completely different way to how I would ever approach them, and that's kind of what's really wild about their approach to Comey Can't Communicate. Because um, the, the the things I never really think about with it is that it is ultimately going with someone who has uh, communication issues to the point of a disorder to a character who's non-binary but presented in a way where that's uh, maybe deceptive or flippant if if you if you choose to read it that way, which to be fair might be intentional. Who knows? Uh, I I can't quite tell myself because I hadn't thought about things the way they did. They 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 rated it uh three point five and three with it being uh the free perspective being like it's good, it, it's funny, it's sweet, but there's there's the risks of uh a, a transphobic punchline, which I disagree with massively in the case of uh. Asana Najimi, uh, I don't think there's ever a punchline that feels transphobic. I think it's like it just plays off of the the inherently confusing nature of a compulsive liar who is also non-binary. That's like, that. I mean, A, that's hashtag relatable, fam. But also, like, I'm never saying that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but like, I, I feel like it's the perspective of two people who are aware of how mean-spirited a lot of manga can be, because let's be real, there's there's a few issues, in particular on the sort of uh, the, the, the mental health disorders and uh, LGBT issues in a lot of mainstream Japanese comics, that means you would go into a lot of them being really cautious of something that goes out its way to go and say, hey, this person can't talk, that's slightly the joke, and this, this person's gender ambiguous, that's also slightly the joke. Like, I... I totally get why that makes people cautious, and I encourage people to read reviews. They're good reviews, they're stuff I've not thought of, they might perhaps make you think more critically of a, a series that I know I hadn't beforehand. But like, they described as saying, like, it has a potentially noxious premise, and it could, I guess, in the wrong hand, like, what a mote? I'm not, it's not you guys' fault that I'm not part Whatever. Yeah, that series, like, I think is probably probably the other side of the coin that makes people cautious because whilst that too is in- incredibly sincere incredibly heartfelt 
everything that's a negative trait that can come from a position of uh of mental health from uh, poor life choices from who the person is as a human being is often kind of twisted into something dark whereas i, I think comey's like the antidote to that sort of series like quite literally because everyone's the way they are and they're appreciated and loved for it except for tadano because he's boring because <laughs> he, he he's boring and used to be a tryhard so like he's the exception to the rule and and that's really the the a lot of the punchline to Comey is that like the perspective character is the only one who isn't often accepted on the face of who they are because you know everyone tries to understand each other but how do you understand someone who's just some dude <laughs> Yeah, no, I I feel like that I you know get, get off subject just a little bit. I mean, I feel like that that's kind of like because there's another series I mean, which recently just ended. Um, Yugami doesn't have many friends that had kind of the same thing, which I really appreciate about the series. I mean, to give a brief, 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 brief um rundown of the series, it's about a guy as the title suggests has no friend and has doesn't have many friends because he's kind of a weirdo <laughs> not really even a weirdo he's just the kind of guy that likes to hang out by himself and i feel like in another series that would be treated as a bad thing but instead in yugami it's kind of treated like okay yeah he's this guy like the other characters come around to his point of view and he sort of slowly comes around to their point of view rather than it being treated that okay it's bad that you're not friends with everybody or it's bad that they think you know the characters don't treat it like it's this big deal where it's like oh okay i just feel like a lot of stuff that we with it could be treated wrong with the bad hands if it was emphasized in a way where it's like okay it has to be this way or it has to be that way you know which is why, I, I, at least, I, I and I don't want to attribute it just to Sunday. I'm sure there are other, I'm sure there are other magazines that, uh, other magazines, other mangaka that handle it well and everything. But I mean, like with Comey, as Maxie said, there's like no sense of like, okay, this is how. There's no emphasis on a specific thing, you know, which would lead to people thinking, okay, this is going to end up having a bad punchline, or it's going to be at somebody's expense. It's always just kind of a thing where it's like, okay, we accept things as they are. What are we going, you know, yeah. go forward from there. And like, I, I guess with Comey later on, when you get to go and meet uh, her sibling, you get the idea that her specific sort of communication issue isn't actually always even a barrier. Sometimes it's something someone's perfectly comfortable and happy with. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, her brother's on the spread too. Oh yeah, no. Okay, so we can technically mention he exists. <laughs> I actually yeah. just looked at it again, and yeah, he's there. He's like, and it even says, you know, in English translation that uh, Shosuke doesn't need to communicate, mm. and he's treated. I mean, in the story, he that's how he's treated. Like opposed to his sister, who wants to make a bunch of friends, Shosuke seems to be perfectly fine with just kind of like, you know, hey, I don't want to be bothered. I mean, he gets without spoiling too much because I mean, she also is on the cover with him. Um, Tadano's sister uh, is like it's it's funny because their relationship is similar to the one that their older siblings have, but also completely different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so without like saying too much about it, yeah, that's like you know the older brother and the older sister. You know, the older brother is trying to help the older sister come out of her shell, while 
it's the same thing for the younger sister, but the older brother, the younger brother is like, I don't want to be bothered. <laughs> and the younger sister, Todd knows little sister is like, nah, I'm going to, we're going to make it come out. <laughs> and it, I mean, I know it sounds bad the way I'm describing it, but it's. Yeah, but the, the line's drawn enough that like, if he's really not interested, like it, it does have a way of just kind of ending there. Like it doesn't become about like trying to, no, no one is ever trying to change anyone. Uh, we, we talked about the heart-wrenching storyline in the latest series that comes out. Like, the, the character in question is, is never made to change. Uh, the, the only thing that really helps them in terms of dealing with their stuff is just, uh, the, the sort of kindness and empathy that naturally comes to about half the cast in the series, or in that case, specifically Comey. Like, it, it doesn't, not only does it very rarely do anything that feels like punching down, uh, it feels like Oda just, has a very innate sense for how to be kind to his characters first before he does something silly to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the series has a lot of empathy for its characters. Like, I don't feel like there's any joke that's, like, punching down when I read the series. I definitely understand, like, uh, both Rebecca and Faye's, like, trepidations, just not knowing where it's going, that because, like, this series does present this idea that all these characters have a quirk, that the idea of reducing Comey's communication problems to being a quirk or reducing, like, uh, Najima, Najima's, like, uh, uh, gender queer status to being a quirk you know i can see how they would uh be wary about that but you know from what you guys have told me and honestly from what i read it never felt like that was like the quirk or like that was a joke like just that was that's just like uh it's supposed to be made light of or like made in a uh demeaning way and i think that you know like these like you have said like these are the these are the characters as they are and then the series just explores how they interact with each other and try to like communicate with each other yeah and and with nearly all of them if not actually all of them i can't swear down because i mean as you may have spotted earlier with me being surprised by some of the pun names that have been revealed by a bomber like the, the 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 names get across who they are as a person as well, so it it's all on the table. It's just um, it's giving you idea of a single note about the character that they can then build a a really deep character off of. Because th- there's not a sh- there's not a shallow character in the whole cast. Like uh, like Asuna Najimi comes the closest, and even then, they've still got stuff going on because they're so ambiguous. I I don't I don't know if this is the right way to describe it, but like it almost comes off to me as like a like a reverse flanderization almost like I, I i feel i don't know i don't know maybe that's the maybe yeah, that's not the right no, way to describe I get, it i get what you mean it's like they could almost start it with a, a catchphrase and then it develops into a fully fleshed character like that yeah 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 i agree with that like it, it is a thing where it's like it's almost like you know you think you know what to expect from this person when you know you get the name i mean if you're reading the japanese and you get their name you're like oh and you see their personality like oh okay then you get something completely, not even really completely different, but you get some, Oda plays it, not that one, Oda plays it, like, straight, but then he does just enough to make you, to keep you on your toes, where it's like, oh, okay, that didn't turn out the way I yeah. thought. Like, we, we, we keep, we keep name-dropping the existence of, uh, of Manbagi Rumiko, and, like, uh, she's the quintessential example of doing that with a character, and what you see, you go, oh, this is who they are, and then you realise that actually... It's not quite that. It's a different way of understanding the same idea about the character, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, people are more than just one simple uh, personality trait, so it's good to see that the series, like, is interested in exploring these characters beyond just, like, the thing that someone would identify them as on the surface, like, being fitting into this archetype or, like, being defined by just this one thing they do. Like, I like that it seems like it explores them more as fully rounded people with more... There's more to them than Except just one of them who you'll find out about in seven volumes' time who is exactly who they seem like and will always be exactly who they <laughs> seem like. Like, I, I, I hate to keep mentioning Sket Dance, but it really does remind me of um, of Switch in particular, where... You know, at first you're you're just kind of led to believe, oh, he's a he's this funny glasses wearing otaku dude who talks through his yeah. computer, and he and 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 that's the joke. But then you find out about his about his past and everything, and you realize, oh, there's actually a lot more going on with this character. Oh, and there's actually a really tragic reason why he only talks through his laptop. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because like him, Switch, and I think the oh god, I've forgotten her actual name. The the second only Hime, um, uh, Himiko. The second one. Oh, um, 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 oh, uh, the one that becomes yeah, a pop right? idol later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Momoka. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Oh those God. two are the most Komi-san characters in that series, to me. Like, they're, they're, they're the sort of thing we're talking about, where they seem to be one way, and as you learn more about them, you kind of get that, actually, there's, there's more to them than that, even though they are also that. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. That, that... No, that makes sense. Yeah, that 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 is really just like ah, now. Now it makes going to all this makes me want to read um Yugami again from the beginning just to kind of get better idea of it because it, it's kind of again the same idea where it's like this character is this way but not quite <laughs> and like what Maxi said there's never a sense that the the characters be uh, are beating down on each other for not being a specific way. It's just kind of like, okay, this is how they are, and this is how we react, we interact with each other. So, and I and I like and I like that idea that like rather than making a series where everybody's got to be a certain way or act a certain way that you know people were act out of mold, and it's more about you know how can we interact with this person, then how can we make this person interact with us? <laughs> so like, and I I, I kind of like that about both Yugami and especially Komi. Komi, I feel like. Especially with um, um, Tadano and Komi's relationship too, there's this kind of sense of, of course, and of course, I like the fact that Tom and Tadano started out the series not wanting to be seen, and now he's put himself in this situation where you know he's like Komi's confidant, mm. and in trying to get her friends, in a sense, he's also kind of getting out of his own shell, like because in order to make her help her get friends, he's got to be able to make friends too. <laughs> So like I like that in a way it's like his character development, even if it's not quite as showy as Comey's is. Yeah, but he he's definitely also on this journey of making a hundred friends, whether he realizes it or not. Like because by being the facilitator, he has to make those same bonds as well, which is interesting. Because again, something I didn't get coming into the series so late until I read Volume One is that he's really quite disliked by everyone. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an interesting contrast that Komi is the most popular person in the school and Tadano is, like, the most hated person in the school, pretty much. Like, the only people who like him are uh, Komi and uh, Najima. Yeah, poor old crucifix, Jinjin crucifix. What can you do? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess we could start 
kind of uh, wrapping up here soon, but um, I, I guess in general, um, I, I, I think it's safe to say that we would all pretty highly recommend people checking out Comey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if like if you want it in the easiest terms, when we were trying to decide whether to recommend Sleepy Princess or not, we couldn't stop talking about other series. With Comey, <laughs> we've we've actually really struggled to get sidetracked at all. We keep actually yeah. just coming back to the series because it's it's that good. We're like we're that eager to just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. And I mean, like I said, you know, whether you're your, I mean, Viz is releasing it, definitely get the Viz version, but whether you're in the Sanilations or not, the fact that this thing has such a following with no anime and from a magazine like Sunday that nobody knows about <laughs> like, I think well, that's and, a and lot. It sells gangbusters as well like, I don't know if we really got it across, like, it's one of the only Sunday series that breaks 100,000 in its first week. Yeah, yeah, wow. and again, it's third place only behind Conan and Silver Spoon. Yeah, uh, I, uh, do we count Zero? I'm not counting Zero because that's Conan. <laughs> yeah, uh, Major, Major though, yeah. But I mean, Major, I think Major comes out so rarely that you can you can probably put Comey above it at the moment just because of uh, the need for breaks really slowing down the... Uh... And to be fair, Major is also a part of a franchise at this point. Oh yeah, it, it's a second series and it has a popular anime that pretty much only doesn't have a second series because of the hiatus at this point. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so I think it is fair to say that Comey is actually third place behind two of the biggest Sunday sellers. So yeah, mm. and the, so that should tell you a lot about how it how popular it is. I mean, and you know, when stuff like this gets licensed, it's usually kind of quiet. But when Comey got licensed, there was a lot of actually cheer for it. Yeah, like <laughs> pe people went wild for the news. Uh, like CP Princess almost went unnoticed and we're the people who pay attention to that sort of announcement <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and again that's not a knock against sleepy princess it's just it doesn't have that sort of following and the author's kind of a weirdo um <laughs> yeah i think a good good barometer for like comey's popularity over sleepy princess is that comey has a wikipedia page sleepy princess does not even a year after this has uh, published like six volumes like I said, again, you know, again, I, I hate to keep bringing up scanlations, but Comey's come out before. I mean, I have to part of the reason why I started Twitter for it is so that I can have something to say before the scanlation comes out. <laughs> so, because the scanlation comes out mere hours after the Sunday volume has got has come out. Well, I'm pretty sure Sleepy Princess is really far behind. <laughs> so at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if Viz outlaps it. <laughs> they keep up there if they keep the schedule oh, up the way they have. So yeah, Comey is definitely. And again, like Max said, like everybody's saying, we're not knocking Sleepy Princess. I definitely recommend reading that too. But the appeal that Comey has is it, it just dwarfs it in every way. And I think that definitely a lot of people should read and give this series a read. Just if only because support Sunday, and yeah, then it's I mean, good. Everyone buy 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 ten copies of it each. I I've accidentally <laughs> bought two just so I could do this podcast. I, I bought it in print and it didn't arrive in time, so I had to get it digitally. But buy like ten copies of it because then we can turn to Viz and we can say, hey, the Ninth Wave only sells like five hundred copies in Japan, but uh, it could sell it could sell five hundred and one in the US. <laughs> License. <laughs> And maybe then we can ask them to get some Fujita. Please, I'm begging. Oh yeah, Sobate oh, must be destroyed. To. Must would, be brought I would, over. I would, I would literally give up my firstborn child if if I could read Sobate officially. Like, 
You don't even know. Because wow. the thing is as well, I can't say enough. Sobate is really hard for me to read. I'm not very good at reading Japanese, right? <laughs> like, I, I want it licensed. I, I really want it licensed too, because like, I'm talking about it and I feel like I'm talking to myself every week. <laughs> and even, and even, even though I can read, I mean, I have trouble reading it. So it's 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 a thing, but it's just like, I, I not even just Sobote. After the way that the Karakuri Circus anime was handled, please bring over the manga, please. Oh. Oh, yeah. I know Fujita was on staff on it, but uh, please bring. Well, that, that that felt like the perfect chance to do it, and like I, I feel like the only reason they didn't, uh, if we're being real for a second, because Viz isn't just a manga company; they are a multimedia company, is that they didn't obtain the anime rights. I feel like if they had them, with no question, Karakuri omnibuses like how they did Kuroko's Basketball, or whatever, straight out. But because another company has it, pff, whatever. Yeah. I'm sure it also doesn't help that it was exclusively on Amazon and nowhere else. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, which is great, because the, my, I'm not the same person who gets annoyed about all the Amazon Prime anime. Like, whatever. that That is what it is. I can live with it. My problem is that the way you have to... The way captions look, and the way you have to turn them on either before or during the show starting, is really... Fucking awkward. That, see, see, mm-hmm. they, the uh, One Punch Man season two on Hulu is the same goddamn way, and it's really annoying. I, I once used like a proxy thing to actually try and watch some stuff on Hulu because I think they had some of Viz's stuff up subbed, and uh, I I uninstalled the software same day. I I did not care that much about using <laughs> Hulu. That was awful. Yeah, I'd, and um, again, I'm gonna step off my silk box. But the Karakuri translations are not that great either. Um, <laughs> it, and I, I mean, I watched a bit of it. I mean, nothing to do with Amazon. It's just I really didn't like how the I like drank the manga for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so like reading before the anime started, I was like, I got into Fujita through Sobote. But then I went back to read some of his other stuff, and I drank Karakuri for like days. I read, I think I read like thirty volumes in a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when the anime came out, I was really excited. And I know Fujita's on staff. I know, and so he's the guy that made it, and he should know how it works. But I, God, I, I understand. He just was of the opinion that okay, there's some stuff in here you really don't need. He just gave us kind of a Cliff's Notes yeah. version of the story. It it it's got the same problems that Hakyu Hoshinengi had, but not quite as bad. Yeah, it's wow, just that, like yeah, it's just like I, I, I get that. Probably the way they look at it is like we had to fit in a certain timeline, and there are certain. But some people like the detours. Some people like to see the characters and little things that really had nothing to yeah. do with plot. <laughs> I mean, just plot point after plot point isn't a compelling story. You need to have time to sit with the characters and, like, appreciate their emotional journey. So, like, if you're... Uh, f- I did not watch much of Karakuri anime, but from what I heard about it, it was like they sped through all the plot and it was, like, focused on plot over, like, actually t- uh, letting the character moments breed. And what made Ushu and Toro so good is that they made sure to take the time, even though that was also, you know, an adaptation that cut out a lot of the manga. It cut out, like, an entire arc from the manga, basically. But it focused on the stuff that, you know, you needed to understand and get invested in the characters. And it set enough space aside to, like, appreciate 
the the character development. It wasn't like just the story beats. They didn't focus on cramming all the story beats in there. Like they focused on like what the core, the heart of the story was and like telling that and getting all the events from the manga that are most important to express that into the series. And that's why I thought like Ushio and Tora like was very low received. A lot of people really latched onto it. And like Karakuri Circus, unfortunately, it did not take the same approach because there's just too much plot in there that you have to fit in to make sense of it. So you just can do it in 36 episodes. It really makes me appreciate things like uh, Muriel and Roji's Bureau of Supernatural Investigation, which uh, came out last year. Because um, like that anime d- covered four and a half volumes of story over its entire run with no guarantee there would be a second years after the comic had ended. And just it didn't it didn't bother about speeding up. It just kind of went, here's the story. Here we go. This is what Mayu and Roji is. Please, in a couple of years, give us series two. We need this. <laughs> like, Yeah, focus on It's telling... getting one. Yeah, it's getting a second season. They announced yeah. it days yeah, ago. Yeah. And, and that, that was a bit of a wait in between, but like, it still gave a pretty satisfying show just by deciding to run through that like opening story without going like, oh man, we best fit in everything just in case. Or like ma- major second, obviously it's limited because the comic's still ongoing, but that really takes its time with the the plot it goes through in the anime. And I feel like it benefits from that. Uh, I, I don't think a lot of anime, especially ones that run at Sunday's pace, like it seems wild to me these Vegeta ones uh, go so quickly because... Because Sunday is a slow magazine. Yeah, you know that's 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 what that's what I was about to say. Like the whole selling point of Sunday is leisurely paced stuff. So speeding yeah. through it just doesn't sit well with me. It's about treating Wednesday as Sunday. Fujita's work is like a throwback to like these ninety shonen epics of old. So like Ushio Tora, like that was definitely of the time. So it was Karakuri, and so Sobate is kind of the same way. It's kind of like that same kind of pace style of storytelling that he was he's been doing since the nineties. It's like very different from like it's kind of different from like Takahashi. Like Takahashi, I mean Inuyasha is also kind of slow pace, but like. I guess when I when I think about like where her comedies have evolved, like Yurisiyatsu was like gag a minute compared to like Rene, which is like a lot slower in terms of comedic pacing. I mean of course the the real the real problem with the Karakuri Circus anime is the same problem that all of Fujita's animes could have, which is there's uh there's no white out on the frames. So how can it really carry his spirit if it's not got an endless amount of tipex poured over the entire fucking thing? Uh, that just reminds me of one of his table of contents like answers, which was just like, yeah. I, I drink white out, essentially. It's like the one thing he can't live without is white out. Uh, Bomber, what were you going to say? Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to concur on, like, you know, what Ma- Maxi was saying about, you know, Muya Roji just really, really, really quick. Like, which is why I think probably the Kimetsu adaption is so well received is because they have plenty of material that they could rush through, but they're really taking their time with it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's I think they're probably on, like, volume five or six. Oh, they're not even that. I don't think they're even that far, like, uh, in the adaptation. Like, they're they're only barely into volume three now. Like, they really have taken their time with the series. I just feel like that should be more the norm. But anyway, I mean, yeah, we should get back to Comey and Sunday. It- we did go on a detour after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anyway, but uh, I, 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 I think we're nearing the end of our road trip here. Uh, we've taken enough detours. Um, go buy, go buy Comey. It's good. 
and I, I've really enjoyed talking about it today. And uh, I've really enjoyed having Maxi and Bomber on again. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about more Shonen Sunday series with us. I mean, it, it's always a pleasure. Like, I, I don't say enough. This, this and Grand Jump, uh, they're, they're the two magazines I could talk about all day, every day, without ever running out of things to say about them. Like, Sh- Shonen Sunday is just... Oh, it's just the tops, guys. It's great. Hmm. We we should we should really make room on the schedule at some point for Maxi to just come on and just talk about Grand Jump at us because honestly I would love that. Um. <laughs> just do yeah. like a grab bag, like I'll grab five different series and I'll try and pitch you on all of them without accidentally just saying it's about characters with big tits. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's... and if you need somebody to just you need to have a just Sunday show just of us just talking. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 fine with either of those. We could we could do them all because you know I I will talk to you about Sunday all day long. Oh, hey, hey, buddy, I I know you will. Um, no, I love you. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the real trick is to do do a weekly Shonen magazine one where I can talk about the time I I bought one issue of it, thinking maybe I'll keep up with it, and then by the time I finished, I never wanted to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we really oughta. It is also magazine's 60th uh, year anniversary, too. And that's the only of the big three Shonen magazines we haven't done a full-on episode on yet. Well, you should hit up some magazine. <laughs> I, I don't have much to say about it myself, although... It, it had Gambler's Parade, which felt like a massive waste of one of the best artists in manga. <laughs> <sighs> we, 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 need to, we need to find our Shonen magazine expert, but... Um, that's for another time. Uh, so I guess uh, before we wrap up here, um, I guess uh, Maxi, I will start with you. Uh, I know you're not doing a lot, but uh, you know you just want to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Maxi the Bee. Uh, I mostly just talk about all the comics I'm reading. Uh, I like to share the love a little bit and kind of. Make people go and look at these things. Look, they're cool. These things are cool. I'm cool. You know, that sort of energy. Uh, and, when, and when I'm not doing that, I'm trying desperately not to argue with people 10 years younger than me because they don't know how to use a critical lens. Look, which, but, uh, buddy, I, <sighs> man, I, I, I feel you there. Um. <laughs> uh, but no, but, uh, and about two to three times a month, I do threads about Grand Jump and the series in it because uh, it's an easy way of talking about them that doesn't involve me having to type up forever on a manga helpers forum or uh, or do stuff on my own website. So you guys can look out for that. I think uh, the latest one that would have happened, it'll be pinned to my page uh, by the time this goes up, should be one for the latest Grand Jump Moocher, which has like Captain 2 and Black Tiger and all sorts of uh, stuff I'm wildly enthusiastic about. So it should be a good time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know you're not doing anything on there at the moment, but... Uh, I would, I really would still urge people to go check out friendshipevervictory.com. Uh, I personally think that you still have a lot of content on there that is worth uh, seeking out. So, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something actually with that. Uh, hold me to this, uh, everyone <laughs> on the internet, please. <laughs> I, I actually still have all the original thirty episodes, the first run of the show. Okay, and I'm just gonna put like a, together a special mega post so that people can access them easily. Nice, because I keep being made aware that they end up on a, on other services with absolutely no benefit to me whatsoever. So I'd rather actually just have them all in one place on my site, maybe chuck them up on YouTube with some visuals or something at some point. Because uh, clearly there's there's an audience who still thinks my old episodes were worth anything, and it's it's easier than doing real work, so... 
Well, I've definitely revisited them, uh, you know, from time to times and, you know, from other sites that still have them up. So definitely I would love if you just made a master post on your own site where you have all the episodes there uh, to refer back to. If if you could somehow get them up on um, on 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 your Apple podcast feed just to have them all in one place as well, I would personally really appreciate that. No pressure or anything. Um. Yeah, I, I might I might see if I can uh, create a a new feed or or as it would go, uh, turn the current feed into an old feed, bung up all the old ones on, and then start a newer feed for the the current episodes, which I know. I know there's only three of them right now. I am technically still writing them. I'm just, I am quote unquote officially in a position of having quit doing stuff. Cause like I'll go on the computer once every two weeks, three weeks, write about, I don't know, a quarter of an episode and then delete it again the next time I'm on and start again. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not reliable enough to ever guarantee I'm going to do actual content, but it, it still exists and it probably would help to have two separate feeds for old and new. I mean, I'm however many words into a We Never Learn episode that I promised people back in December. So, I mean, let's not think about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, Bomber, where can people find you? Okay, so if you just want to hear about my general whining, then it's uh, you can find me at Kirobon, K-I-I-R-O-B-O-N, where I, you know, talk about everything and anything in general whining. But if you're more interested in things that I actually do that are interesting, then what, you can... What, like, your like your Sunday whining? whining? Yes, yeah, so I'm Sunday whining. You could you can follow um WSS Talkback at WSS Talkback on Twitter and also WSS Talkback.blogspot.com for my more in-depth stuff, which I'm trying to do I guess I, I was gonna wait till next week to announce it, but hey, I guess I'll announce it here. I'm actually gonna probably start doing the impressions um monthly. Cause I'm gonna miss two weeks thanks to Anime Expo. So at this point it's like, okay, and that's gonna be two weeks worth of stuff to write later, and I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> so uh probably gonna start just compiling like Sunday, my favorite my Sunday impressions on my favorite Sunday series like monthly. And then I'll probably be using the blog to maybe host interviews that I've translated from Sunday people or um and maybe eventually artist spotlights because I like to use that so people can actually get more education on the show on Sunday. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of want to switch up how I'm doing things now. So, But definitely the Twitter is where I announce new Sunday news, Sunday information. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff. And recently, I've actually teamed up with somebody. And we're starting to put the Sunday... I translate the table of contents for people that... Well, I'm sure most people know because they do it for Viz for Jump. But I do it for Shonen Sunday where I translate the table of contents um, for the authors, which is generally speaking just a place where the authors have something they say each week. Sunday's a little bit unique in the fact that they ask the authors a question and all of them answer, unlike other magazines huh. where it's just generally a free-for-all. You know, they say whatever's <laughs> on their mind. So I guess I would try to say the link now but i'm not sure if the person uh, basically a person has taken my text files and have made them really pretty and put them online so now you can read the starting with issue 27 of sunday you can read them every week in this site uh i guess i could just give you the link later and you can include it yeah yeah no problem I mean, the, the, the person who's mm-hmm. doing it with you it, it's the uh manganami malaysia guy is it yeah, who, who they they've always been a, a nice solid presence in the sort of uh, manga communities lately, especially on Twitter and stuff. So, I, I think that's a that's a good endeavor. 
Yeah, they've been basically, they did it for Jump. They've been compiling what's on Manga Plus and stuff for Jump for people mm. who just wanted to see that. And then, you know, I was posting, you know, the TLCs on Twitter and they were just like, well, hey, if you're not doing anything with them, I can put them on the site and clean them up and they make them look nice. So right now I'm actually part of like a collective where we're trying to actually do the table of contents for more magazines we've got champion in the works we've got magazine in the works we've got young magazine in the works and young magazine the third mm, i wow. will be helping with probably young magazine the third maybe and young magazine but my focus will be mostly sunday but eventually we're hoping to cover a bunch of different magazines with the table of contents so people can get to know their authors a little bit better that's really cool i'm glad you guys are going to stroll this effort for the other magazines to get overlooked. That's really awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you guys so much for coming on. And I think with that, um, we're just going to wrap up the show. All right. And we are at the end of the show. Uh, again, want to give a big thanks to, uh, to both Maxi and Bomber for coming on the show. Once again, always happy to have those two on. Um, and, uh, definitely go follow all their stuff. Lum and I always enjoy hearing what they have to say about whatever, and, uh, uh, also really enjoy the content that they put out online. And speaking of content, uh, it feels so weird using that word. Um, but, uh, Lum has been putting up a lot of really interesting articles about their time at, uh, Anime Expo, specifically a lot of the premieres that they went to. Um, uh, as some of you may or may not know, uh, while at Anime Expo, Lum got to see the premieres of a lot of really cool stuff, including the uh, the Doctor Stone anime, the Fire Force anime, uh, Mewtwo Strikes Back, as well as uh, Funimation's preview screening of the Kingdom live action movie. We've uh, we've mentioned on the show before about uh, Kingdom getting a live action movie, and Funimation is apparently uh, bringing it out to North American theaters for a very limited run. Um, apparently starting on August 16th, uh, for those of you who are interested in that, um, Lum wrote up an entire article, uh, slash review about the movie. And, uh, from what I read, uh, the movie sounds really promising. It honestly made me really want to go see it. Um, so maybe I'll have to go get my tickets for that. But, uh, yeah, so, um, I, I will leave links in this episode for, uh, all the premiere reports that, uh, Lum has written up. Um, again, you can, you can read their reviews of the Kingdom premiere, the Dr. Stone premiere, and the Fire Force premiere. I still haven't read the Fire Force premiere just yet, uh, but I'll hopefully, uh, read it here soon when I'm done, uh, putting up the episode. Um, but yeah, uh, they've written up a lot of really awesome stuff about Anime Expo, uh, that I think everybody should check out. So, uh, like I said, we'll leave links to that. And so, you know, speaking of Lum Ramayasha, you can follow them on Twitter at Lum Ramayasha, as well as follow them on sites such as uh, My Anime List, Annie List, wherever there's a Lum Ramayasha, uh, that's probably them. Um, and, you know, uh, just just re read all their stuff on All Comic. They usually uh, put out some really great articles and, and reviews and whatnot. Um, and as for me, you could find you can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I host a few other podcasts such as Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast. Uh, if you're a fan of Gintama, uh, that's at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. We're on a bit of a hiatus, but we have a huge backlog of episodes you can listen to. 
Um, you can also listen to One Podcast Prevails at OnePodcastPrevails.com. It's a podcast I do with my friend Doc from the Ask Backwards Anime podcast about Detective Conan, Case Closed, whatever you want to call it. Again, that's at OnePodcastPrevails.com. Uh, speaking of the Ask Backwards Anime podcast network, um, I didn't get a chance to uh, talk about it on the last episode because it hadn't been released yet. Um, but uh, Doc and I are actually doing a new podcast uh, over on the network about uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, we're basically doing a uh, sort of rewatch podcast. Uh, for me, it's a rewatch. Uh, technically, we're, we're basically considering this Doc's first time watching Yu Yu Hakusho uh, called The Poltergeist Report, or The Poltergeist Report, as uh, Doc likes to call it. Um, again, you can find that on uh, ssanetwork.com. And for just as little as a dollar, you can listen to every episode as it's released on the network. Uh, every two weeks, uh, Doc and I go over a couple episodes per ep- a couple episodes of the show uh, per episode of the podcast. It's a really fun time. Uh, it's a very casual kind of show. We don't spend a lot of time like actually recapping the show beat by beat as I would on say like Life Lessons or One Podcast Prevails. Uh, so it's a shorter show. And uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners will enjoy that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm really having a lot of fun recording that. Again, that is the Poltergeist Report over at SSAANetwork.com. Um, and so, yeah, as for all comic and the podcast, uh, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks over at all-comic.com. Unless you are a backer of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, because if you subscribe to our $2 tier, you'll get access to early episodes of the podcast, uh, depending on uh, when we have them edited, of course. And and really, why, why stop there? Like, you, you, I, I recommend subscribing to our $5 tier, uh, because if you do, you'll get a one bonus podcast per month, every month, as long as you are a backer. We have a ton of really cool bonus podcasts on there, such as our review of That Time I Got Reincarnated as Yamcha, a special at movies episode about Captain Marvel, uh, even a, even an episode of Manga Fights where Lum and their friends uh, duke it out over Monster Girls. Uh, a, a lot of really fun, cool stuff on there uh, that we hope to just keep building up on. Again, that's at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Um, but as for all comic, you can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or at twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow us specifically, uh, Manga Mavericks, that is, uh, you want to follow us at manga underscore mavericks or on mangamavericks.tumblr.com. Uh, both of those, you'll get the latest updates on the podcast. Um, also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, email us anything at uh, manga mavericks at gmail.com. Anything you want to tell us, like what you're reading, uh, whatever manga you want us to review on the show, uh, what you thought about this episode of the podcast. Uh, any Again, we'll, we'll read it all at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcast. It really helps the visibility of our show and just helps our show grow in general. So please go do that if you so wish. Um, but I think that's going to be about it uh, for this episode. Uh, this has been episode 93 of the podcast, and we will see you guys next time for episode 94. Bye, guys. Bye.